This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Alright, let's take a con a declaration. One, two, go. As I sit to listen to the word of God, a door of utterance has been opened unto us, and I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me. This is the way to go, walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God, and I'm not distracted by anything or anyone. The word of God is full to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my face, causing my life to shine, giving me victory in everything that I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God opens new things to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth, and I receive instruction, encouragement, correction, and enablement to live out God's will. Amen. All right, let's look at James chapter 1 from verse um, 1. James chapter 1 from verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. And then he said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trine of your faith worketh patience. And then he says, well, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, um, let me just start by saying this, and uh, um, this teaching, uh, which is uh, still on the subject of love, really, but as it connects directly to our faith, but it has to do with the issue of handling, all right, crisis or a time of test correctly. And uh, a gentleman once um, said this, and he, I mean, he speaks to um, leaders of corporations, companies, um, performance um, athletes, and people that um, are into uh, high-performing activities. And he said, 30 years of research has shown that the hallmark of superior people is how they respond to a crisis, that the distinguishing factor when it comes to superior people, people that operate at superior levels, is really how they respond to a crisis. How they respond, what they do is they look for a solution to the problem. So when confronted with a situation all they think about is, how do I solve this particular problem? How do I deal with a problem? That's how they think. 
without getting angry or upset. They simply say, what is the solution? They are solution-oriented, and that stimulates creativity and not anxiety. That is the perspective they have, the way they look at it. This is a problem that needs to be solved, and there is a solution to this, and that stimulates in them creativity. They quickly define what could create anxiety, write it down, and simply seek, all right, to solve that issue. Now, James here starts and says, count it all joy. In other words, rejoice in this. The reason is, what this is going to lead to is that you are going to be perfect and entire wanting nothing. He says that, let patience, in verse 3, have its perfect work. Let patience, the trying of your faith, worketh patience. And then he says, let patience have its perfect work. So there is a work that patience wants to do. If you allow patience to have its perfect work in you when you are facing an uncomfortable situation, it says you are going to be perfect and entire, put it up, wanting nothing. That you may be perfect and entire. Now, so why do you rejoice when you are confronted with a situation? Because you are going to emerge out of this situation perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Perfection deals with maturity on the inside. Wanting nothing deals with the external. It means you are complete in every part of your life and you'll be perfectly sound in your body, whole in every single part of your life. The only challenge that it tells us is, let patience have its perfect work. And where we may be missing it might just be this area of, have let patience have, have its perfect work on the inside of us. I mean, in James chapter 4 and verse 8, it speaks about patience again. Sorry, James 5 and verse 8. It speaks about patience. It says, be ye also patient and establish your heart. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Then verse 9, grudge not one against another. We're going to see this in this teaching. Brethren, that you may, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. And then he says, take my brethren, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and affliction and of patience. Now look at what he says about patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience, he didn't say of the faith of Job, he says of the patience of Job. And you have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and full of mercy. 
So it says you have seen, let me read um, um, the New King James Version out, very powerful. It, it tells us in James 5 here, all right, verse 11, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So there is an end, an outcome that God intends. And he says, if you allow patience to have its perfect work in you, that intended end of God, which means what he intends to do, will come out and you'll be seen to be blessed, to be complete, and to be whole. So what, when he says, let patience have its perfect work, uh, what's the work of patience? Because he's doing a work on the inside of us. And patience is not just, well, we are passively stubborn. In other words, you know, we have a goal and a vision and we just endure whatever comes our way. That's not patience. Uh, you can endure a condition to the point where you conform to that condition. Your lifestyle and your aspirations, all right, are cut short and you have adjusted all right, so the difficulty on the outside, and you have adapted to it, and therefore you are now living comfortably in that condition and saying that and settled, all right, right inside that space. That is not patience. All right, people will adjust, human beings will adjust to conditions on the outside. Human beings will wait for something to change and they can wait for 40 years and an entire lifetime and it will not change. But they endured through it all. That is not patience. Patience is not that we just endure, you know, and we're going through things and, you know, it's just we endure and all of that. That is not patience. Patience is the key to success. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 15 that, that Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. Patience is the key. Because the trying of your faith works patient. When people don't understand it, the trying of their faith works offense. All right? Offense is produced on the inside and that aborts everything that God wants to do. Now, the same word patience, and once we understand this word, all right, you'll get to the top 5% in anything you are doing in your career, whatever it is. Once you understand what that word patience is, in fact, the Roman Empire that conquered the entire world, they said what was the singular virtue that the Roman Empire adopted within their DNA that they conquered the entire world? He said they made patience a policy a written policy in the Roman Empire that patients were going, all right, to practice this particular thing. So patience is key. It is the same word in the New Testament. Wherever you see long-suffering, they're talking about that same word, patience. And it's the first word that defines love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When it says love is long, suffereth long, is the same word patience. 
In fact, you know, there's something you call uh, the classical Greek, which means people that they speak Greek, all right? The word patience as is used in the New Testament was not part and parcel of the Greek language. There was, there was no character in human society that way. They, they had to coin this word to describe a virtue that was in Christ. So it describes a steadfast spirit. In other words, you begin on a journey to a particular place. You have a goal, you have a vision. I said this, some people just adjust and they give up on their vision, give up on their aspiration, their childhood dreams, and give up on it and just adjust to life. That's not patience. Patience there describes a steadfast spirit that holds on so their confession of their vision, regardless of the wind that is blowing. The first thing about patient spirit is that it's steadfast. It holds on to its declaration. James chapter 3 and verse 4 talks about this. It says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. It says, even so, the tongue is a little member. And the whole of the book of James is about describing the steps and about what patience really is. So this was something about it. He says, so the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. In other words, what he's saying is the captain of a ship, if it's going to a destination there, he knows that whatever direction the helm, all right, a small rod at the base of the ship, he turns it, all right, towards where he's going, all right, no matter the winds that are blowing, that ship will go in the direction in which it turns that helm at the base of the ship there. That's the direction the body of the ship will go. And even though there are winds that are blowing, it knows that wherever I turn this helm to is where the body of the ship will go. In other words, regardless of the winds that are blowing on the outside, where you turn your tongue to is where your life will eventually get to. All right? And there's something about this that is a test, okay? When you turn, if you're driving a car and you turn the steering of a car, immediately that car turns. But with a ship, if you turn the helm at the bottom, the, the, the body of the ship doesn't move until you lock it at a certain point. So if you are turning, the, the, the ship, body of ship remains the way it's going until you lock it at a certain point. Once it's locked there at 45 degrees north, then it stays there, let's say for five minutes, ten minutes, then the body of the ship gets it. This is the new direction in which we are going to, and then it moves to that particular direction. So once you lock your tongue, regardless of what is blowing, you declare that this is where I am going to in life. And you are declaring it there, all right? Forget about the winds that are blowing. Your life will go in the direction of your words. So the first thing about it is, Patience is that spirit that will never give in nor surrender even in the face of apparent defeat, which means things have turned and changed and it looks like, you know, nothing is going to work and happen. They will hold fast to their declaration. They will not surrender, all right? You can take everything away from them, but you can't stop them from declaring with their lips that this is going to be the eventual outcome of my life. They make that declaration. Then the second thing about patience that we've got to understand 
all right, is that it describes, the second thing patience does is that it describes, and this is where many of us miss it, not only does it describe persistency, all right, and holding fast your confession, it also describes, and it's long-suffering that describes the attitude that a man should have towards his fellow man. In other words, it describes the way that person under pressure is treating other people. Now, it says if you get the treatment of other people right, as described in the Word of God, while you are holding fast your confession, what you are saying will come to pass. So it describes a continuous declaration, and then it also describes the way and manner in which an attitude that you have towards your fellow man. Quickly, let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 31 to verse 36. All right, Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It says, rather seek you the kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's your Father's little flock, fear not. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then he tells us, sell from what you have, give arms, provide for yourselves, bags that wax not old a treasure in the heavens that fail not, where no thief can approach, no moth corrupt. All right, verse 34, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Verse 35, it says, let your loins be gathered about and your lights burning in anticipation, okay, of what? And you yourselves, like men that wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, when he comes and knocks, all right, you may open unto him immediately. In other words, what he's saying is this, when you are making your declarations and making those declarations, an opportunity is going to be presented to you in the process of time for the fulfillment of those things that you are saying. So when Jesus comes and knocks on the door of your life and that opportunity is opened up unto you, immediately go through it. However, it says from verse 35 that where you can have a problem is while you are waiting. Sorry, verse 45, not 35. While you are waiting, it says, check on this. But, and if the servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and to drink, which means you are no longer focused on your goal, you are treating people wrong, verse 46, all right, let's go on, all right, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he look not for or him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder and appoint his portion with unbelievers. In other words, he will miss out all the opportunities for the fulfillment of what that person is declaring, and what will happen in the life of that person is, instead of entering into powerful opportunities, it appears, all right, like disastrous things happen and everything just falls through there. So there's an attitude you must have to your fellow man. It's a spirit that could take revenge if it liked, but it utterly refuses to do so. In other words, while you are waiting, you'll be tested, and in this time of testing, you'll be faced with challenges where you can retaliate on the wrong that is being done unto you by a person or some people, but you refuse to do so because you understand how you ought to treat your fellow man. And that's why in verse 6, it says this. In, in James chapter 1, verse 6, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, all right, James 1, 6, it says, if any man 
Sorry, verse 5. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. In other words, as you are holding fast your confession, it is going to take wisdom. If you lack wisdom, and what I want to show you is this, wisdom is how you treat other people. If you are going for your goal and your dream, you must understand how you treat other people in life will determine a lot that is going to happen in your future. No matter how brilliant and gifted you are, how you treat other people in life will ultimately determine stuff that is going to happen. You know, I met, when I traveled, and I met a wealthy Nigerian. I saw him in a, in a place in England. So he looked at me, I looked at him, so I signaled to him, or I just, I went the first time, I, I didn't say anything to him. But I saw him again in the place, so I just signaled and greeted him. He was eating in the place, and I, I just walked past and went into, like, the eating area to go and just greet him. He's a very wealthy person. If I call his name, you know him. He got up from his seat and walked up to me. I don't know whether he knew who I was, but just that somebody came and was, okay, got up, he said, how are you? And all of that. And I saw why this man is going far in life. You could see humility even with all the way. You could see humility. You could see that he got, the way you treat people. That's what James was talking about. And so when he says that patience, he's saying that, all right, a steadfast spirit that treats people right. A person who asks God for wisdom. Just what Solomon said. He said, God, give me wisdom so I'll be able to treat the people right. And God said, because you've asked for this thing and you didn't ask for money and all of this. He says, give the servant, all right? Oh, no, no. Go, go to uh, the other verse. There. Give thy servant an understanding heart to judge the people that I may discern. That is, he asked for wisdom. All right, that he may discern on how to treat people correctly. God said, you've asked for the greatest thing. So it's wrong suffering that refuses. So James, understanding this, said, we should ask for wisdom. And this wisdom is relational. So in James chapter 3 and verse 13, it describes this wisdom to us. He says, who is a wise man? All right, who has this wisdom? Is a person who is endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation. The word conversation means behavior. His works with meekness of wisdom. Then he tells us the opposite of that. He says, if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not, all right, and lie not against the truth. In other words, he's saying that a person, you know, maybe exercising faith for something, but you have what is called bitter envy and strife, which means you are a very competitive person. You, you a person can be contentious. And, and he says this are signs. Look at the next verse there. He says, this wisdom descendeth. Next verse. He says, lie not. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. It's a kind of wisdom. He's talking about wisdom that in relationships here. And he says, let that person ask for wisdom there. So you could see people like Abraham in the process. When they said Abraham patiently endured, in the process of believing God to become great and all of that, you saw when strife wanted to come in between him, all right, and Lot, he quickly moved to establish peace. And now, relationship there. I said, look, Lot, take whatever you want to take. 
You could see Isaac when he was going for his vision there, and, and they began to strife started over his father's wealth. He said, look, you can have all my father's wealth. And then got to a place where the Bible calls it, he called it Rehoboth. God has made room for us. See, let me tell you this about creativity and, and competition. Get out of the place of, of competition. Let me say this to you. If a person is even declaring that I'm going to become the CEO, let's just assume this, of an organization. You see, what God has for you is hidden from you and hidden from others. Now, you may think it is this, but it is probably what you are calling, what you are talking to is probably a shadow of what God really wants to do. So if you're declaring, let's assume that you are declaring out of your lips that you're going to be the CEO, let's just say, of this bank, which is, let's say, the biggest bank in Nigeria, or the biggest, and you are saying it and you feel that this is the top of the game. What God probably has for you in his heart is to become CEO of a global organization. Are you following what I'm saying there? Now, what will now happen is that there will be strife inside that organization over that position. Now, if you as a person in your confession see that there's strife and there are three other people, maybe they're close to you, that want to do that, you release it to them and in prayer, you say, God, make them the CEO of this place and let it be. And you release to them and pray for them that they become CEO and all of that. You'll find out that you'll be offered something that will be multiple times of that thing that you did not know about until it was unveiled unto you. Don't ever forget this. What God has for you is hidden from other people. Nobody can compete with you in the space that God will open up for you. Anybody that is competing is dealing with. That's why the Bible says hope that is seen is not hope. You see, when people are competing over what they can see and fighting over it, what God has prepared for you is something that is hidden from other people. You, your own self, he has hidden it from you so you don't prematurely disclose it so that you don't get attacked on it. So he keeps it because he doesn't yet trust your own mouth. Because you go and start talking and then they get you out of the system. Are you following what I'm saying here? So once they strife, don't think that I must insist, I must become, you know, I must be the top of this, I must be the lord of this something, I'm the one in charge and all that. Look, release it, pray for the people. Are you following what I'm saying? Pray for them. There are people you will know. You introduce other people. They turn the relationship to strife. Let them have the relationship. The doors that God will open for you are unknown somewhere. Are you following what I'm saying? So, God has hidden these things. And so in the journey to that place, Isaac didn't know about Rehoboth. And but when he got there, he said, look, God has made room for us. You might be having strife over something here. And what God has prepared for you is in Tokyo, Japan. Do you get what I'm saying? So don't have a competitive, all right, spirit there. Hold fast your confession. See, when they killed Joseph, wanted to kill him over his, when he said he had a dream, what Joseph was thinking about in the back of his mind was his father's business. What God had was him saving the entire world. The reason they came into strife was they wanted to deprive him of taking over his father's business. Don't ever forget this. What God has for you is hidden. 
So intercede for the progress of every single person you are connected to. Any man's advancement doesn't deprive you of what God has prepared for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anybody who gets wealthy has not touched your own cash. Do you, you have to understand this. Anybody's idea hasn't reached your own idea. So don't get angry when people come and with breakthrough ideas. Pray for them that God will surround them with the right people that is ideas. Do you get what I'm saying here? Get out of that competitive spirit. You will be shocked. Because that's what God said. He said, he said look, where is the fightings and the wars among you? He says, they come from your lords that were your member. You are fighting for what you can get. He said, look, my friend. He said, you, it's because you ask not. He said, you are fighting over stuff. What if you came to meet me? That's what James was saying. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's what he was saying. He saw this whole thing is an exegesis. You almost three hours teaching. He said, look, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's the same thing John was saying. When they came to meet John, they wanted to bring strife between him and Jesus. They said, look, people are going to Jesus' ministry. He said, nobody can receive anything except this going from heaven. If anybody's moving ahead, God gave that person. Pray for that person. Do you get what I'm saying here? Don't let people come in and infect you. That wisdom is not from above. It's demonic. So you want to behave yourself wisely. This is what God wants to see. He wants you, that's why he says, that you may be perfect, which means mature. And what he wants, so it's a picture, in my time, it's a picture of a person here that is mature. Uh, it tells us in Romans 5, it says, tribulation worketh patience and patient experience. That word experience, that means character, all right? It works in you, strength of character. It builds character on the inside of you. So that you will be able to handle the things that God wants to bring into your life. So it's acting with divine wisdom as you mature during this waiting period. But with all certainty, what he's saying is what you are saying will come to pass. Listen, he's telling you that, listen, let patience have its perfect work. You'll be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Just let patience do that work. Don't be in a hurry. I mean, I visited with Billy Graham ministry when I was in Calgary. I mean, I learned a lot from them. What? Those people don't rush. They don't tell See, if they tell you, that's one thing I learned from them. We are coming, we are going to London to do a crusade. If they announce it, the minimum time when that crusade will happen is five years from the date they've announced it. Minimum, not maximum, minimum. That is, they say today, they're going to plan for 2028. It's not we're going to do it next month. But let me tell you, the day they announce it, the next day or the next week, people are moving into London for preparation. Rushing takes you out of God's will. I've discovered when you just put yourself under unnecessary pressure, is what causes people to do what they shouldn't do. Uh, look at David. Let's just give an example here of how David behaved with wisdom. Quickly, look at 1 Samuel. Quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 18. 
So uh, the whole of this thing is talking about wisdom. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. Quickly. So, I mean, you go through this kind of things, but hold fast your confession. Now, a fierce wind blows. Now, what kind of wind is this? Hold fast your confession. You will go through it. People will treat you this way. Now, look at that. First King here. And then David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. Now, this is after he killed Goliath. Saul, you know, put him in charge of stuff. And Saul set him over the men of war. So all the men of war, like all the combatants who was in charge of all of them, all right, in the military. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of all Saul's servants. Now, something happened. Verse 6. The Bible says, and came to pass that as, as, as they came, when David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out from all their cities singing and dancing to meet the king. So with tablets, with joy, and with instruments of music. Verse 7, and says, and the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his ten thousands. So people started saying all this kind of thing. And Saul was very wrath. All right? And the saying displeased him. He got angry. And he said, they've ascribed unto David tens of thousands to make. They've ascribed thousands. And what can he have more, all right, but the kingdom? And then verse 9, what happened was that Saul eyed David from that day forward. Okay? Verse 10. Okay? All right? And it came to pass the next day, an evil spirit came from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his heart other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Now, this is Saul that promoted David. This Saul took a javelin, put it, put it back up here. And Saul, and it came to pass, the evil spirit came upon Saul and prophesied. All right, next verse. And the Bible says that, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David, all right, to the wall. And David avoided out of his presence twice. So twice he tried to strike him with the javelin. Next verse. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. And next verse, and Saul removed from him. That's he removed David from him now. So David's closeness, he felt, was giving him influence that he had seen him around him. Move him away. And made him captain over what? A thousand. Demoted him from being captain over all the men of war. Said, you will now be a captain over one thousand. If it's some people, they'll be offended and they'll do what? Resign. See what happened. And he went out and came in before the people. Next verse, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord, that's what he was saying. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. If you don't have this wisdom, when they demote you, you scatter the whole place. Do you get what I'm saying here? Now, and what really was going on is that the Bible says when you are tempted, don't say you are tempted of God. He says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. That what means a diseased condition in your soul and entice. In other words, there was something inside David that God wanted to remove. That's why he allowed Saul to treat him that way. So that David will become. Do you get what I'm saying here? You will see that he got to that place and said, let every man be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not walk the righteousness of God. In other words, nobody has said anything in anger and not regretted it in life. Nobody. You speak in, out of anger, you regret what you said. You will regret it. You will see that those words you spoke, all right, out there, you should never have said it because it will destroy things. Look at Moses, got to the point. Moses did all of that, but there was an anger problem. He got there, got angry. God said, you're going to see the promised land, you won't get into it. Anger. So what God was doing to David was to remove certain things out of him. So God puts you in difficult places because he knows what he has for you in future. And knows that if we don't remove this trait, this thing will destroy this person when they get there. David behaved himself wisely. 
you know, I was listening to one of the men who owns one of the largest corporations in America. To show you what the largest corporation, they filed a lawsuit on their corporation because they, one of the parts of their corporation is, is a television station in their intermedia, one part of it, element of it. And they were sued for 700, they were sued for about two billion. They settled out of court for 780 million cash and they paid it. You, you get what I'm saying? When you pay cash, 780 million, you should know how much money you have. So people are now saying, why did they do what they did? And what happened was, all right, what happened was they now found out that, so they were saying, ah, some things happened, that's why they settled, because of, so somebody said, well, one of the reasons they sacked somebody in the organization, they said, well, the person, they found certain charts of that person where he spoke derogatory about the chairman of the corporation. And that person who had been a staff there said, no, 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 he said, listen, He's not a man that gets offended easily. He has a tough skin. He's been around the block. Even if he sees his staff insult him in an email, he'll ignore it. How many people can see that kind of thing and, 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 and not say, go and look for that person. Go and look. Bible says that a man will hear a servant curse him sometimes. It's not everything you hear, you follow through on. But if there's anger, you'll find out that you have fired the person God is bringing the next breakthrough through. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you need wisdom. All right? That's why it tells us in verse 18, James chapter 3, verse 18, and then I'll close with what we're James 3, verse 18. You need wisdom. All right, okay, in verse 17. It talks about this wisdom, what it is. But the wisdom that is of God is first of all pure, that's sincere. Then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, of them that make peace. These are not people that, you know, out of anger break relationships. These are people, all right, that, that build and, and do stuff and unite people and there's peace there in what they are doing. So let me close by just saying this here. How do you get to this particular place? James chapter 1, verse 17. So understand this, free your spirit from any form of all right competition. James 1, 17. Okay, every good and perfect gift. Now, let's go on there. Um, okay, I've talked about James 1.19. Let's move on. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man, which means when you are being tested, let every man be what? Swift to hear. There's a lot to learn when you're going through a test. It's not an issue of anger. There's a lot to do what? To learn. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and he says slow to wrath. That's to anger. For the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Therefore, next verse, we lay apart all filthiness, that's that thing of anger there, and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. So during that time, what are you to do? Receive with meekness as a teachable spirit. God wants to plant his word on the inside of you. Now, before we look at that, look at verse 17 and 18 quickly. It says, I'm going to get into this message. Every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Father of light, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All right? So every good and perfect gift comes from the Father in the form of light. 
who of his own will begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, when God was going to bring us into existence, he did it through the word of truth. And what he's saying is that everything is going to bring forth in your life. He's going to bring it through that word. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 2, it says, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 says, all things were made by him, that's the word, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So in that word is life, that life is the light of men. Nothing was made without the word. So God says, listen, what I want to make now out of this situation is inside the word. So you know what? He said, forget about all this, your anger and all these things you are doing. It is going to destroy what I want to do. Leave anger and this. Be quick to hear. The entrance of my word will give you light. Now go to my word. He says, now receive with meekness. Sit with that word. The engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. Now look at verse, verse 20 there. Quickly, verse 20, James 1, 20. Sorry. Um, all right, 20, okay. Be ye doers of that word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Which means, look at that word and start doing what that word tells you. Now, next verse, it says, For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man who beheld his natural face in a glass. So, if you're a hearer, which means if you're listening now, I've said some things, you responded to it, you saw something as in a glass. Something was placed before you. That's why you responded because you got revelation on it. But he says, that's a hearer. Now, who is a doer? He says, but he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, forgetteth what manner of man he was. Verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, it's just like school. If you go to school, in school, and you listen to a lecturer, and you leave the class, and you don't look at the notes that the lecturer said, you only heard the lecture, that lecture will not stay with you. After you have heard, you go back to look at the notes. Isn't that what we're saying? So after any message you hear something, go and look at it. And he says, continue to read it. Keep your eyes on it. Morning and day, keep your eyes there. What you have heard, start looking at it. And then look at what he says next there, or what he says there. He says, not a forgetful hair, but a doer of the work. Which means, as you start looking at it, there is a work it will start telling you to do. That word will start telling you what to do in that particular situation. It says, a doer of the work, that man shall be what? Blessed in his deed. Remember, James here said, faith without what? Works is what? Dead. The works is, that's what is the works is saying. Which means once you start looking at the word, it will start telling you things to do. It says, you will be blessed. The blessing comes in doing what he's saying. Now, he gives us an inclination of what he's saying. Next verse. It says, if any man seems to be religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, which means still speaks in anger and talks and feels I can talk, he says, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Verse 27, pure religion and undefiled is to visit fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself. In other words, you are going through a test. One of the instructions that the word will give you is go and visit people who are in affliction. Now, you are going through a test. Now, this is what wisdom is teaching. What you are looking at is people should minister to me. What you are looking at is people should give to me. What you are looking at is, oh, don't you know what I'm going through? All right? And this is part of the problems we have. 
one of the greatest coaches in the world. He said, some of the people with the most brilliant ideas, what finishes them is they are self-absorbed. They don't have social intelligence, so they hire wrongly. The problem is that they are too much in themselves, self-centeredness. And when you are self-centered and self-absorbed and you feel that everybody, or I should come, and what he was saying was that this new thing of looking at phones, where people don't talk to people, everybody just looking at phones and doing that, people are not developing social skills. Somebody said they are not feeling well. You send an emoji to the person. An emoji is not a visit. Do you get what I'm saying here? That is cheap, all right? It costs you something to go out and look for somebody, to sit beside somebody on the bed. Uh, do you get what I'm saying here? That social skills are dying, where people are getting more into all of this. And so he's talking about to visit that, that you'll start saying, he said, this is how you get blessed. You visit, you go and look for people who also are going through things. You help them, you talk to them, you pray for them. And it begins to give instruction. That's why it talks about Rahab. That Rahab had her own issue. How did Rahab get blessed? When she saw the spies and helped the spies. You see, in the process of doing that, that's where the connections are going to start coming. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, there's, there's a lot to unpack in this thing of patience. Because what James actually teaches are the guidelines to ex, 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 this teaching to exercising patience when you're going through a test. That's what he taught. That's why he said, don't hold any grudge against anybody. If you hold any grudge against anybody, inside your heart, he says, look, this thing is not going to work. All right? That's, that's why you will learn later. People that you held grudges against and you hold on to it, if you learn the lessons, you'll find out that it was good you met people like that. It was good that you were treated that way. A lady was saying this on TV. I said this last week. She was saying, I heard her. said, my boss dealt with me. said, because I just came back from America. I said, you, you are, you are just coming. I will show you. said, and she was only two years older than her. She instructed me, you must call me madam. said, he looked at her. said, madam. said, she said, give report every day. She said, she kept, she did it. She, after some time, she was doing that. The one said, by the time she moved to another company, the very thing they were going to use for promotion is writing reports. The thing she was doing every day. When she was just doing the thing, it was just like, what other is there? Are you following what I'm saying? It's test. I'm coming from Canada. I met somebody. He was given a job, a clerical something, law firm. Because people work under pressure in Nigeria, the pressure, he took it there. By the time he finished, they, he, he was supposed to be in town for eight weeks. They, 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 they hired him. I went to preach on Saturday. On Thursday, he was telling me. He said, they called him, you're doing two people's job. He said, without him asking, they offered him that will you take a salary increase of $10,000? He told me. He said, look, he said, this started from Wavek. I will get up at 1 a.m. All right, but the, the, what was getting you angry in Nigeria is what you are now using. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying here? So when you're going through things, he said, be what? Quick to hear. They're slow to speak. Don't get angry. It's training for something that's coming ahead. If you don't go through that training there, you won't be able to handle it in future. Are you from saying it? It was because David behaved wisely that when it was time for kingship, the people themselves said, it's not even that God anointed him. We are anointing him as our king. Come and be king. Because in the days of Saul, we were observing you. There are people that will see you calm under pressure where you know, other people are reacting that tomorrow the breakthroughs you will get is based on how you responded in those situations.
I'm telling you where people are missing it is patience. So they start with confession. Something happens, they get offended instead of exercising patience. And the whole thing is about it. You, you understand what I'm saying? Patience is not just endurance. It's not saying that one day condition will change. It doesn't change like that. There are works that you carry out as you are instructed by the word of God. And as you do those works there, in that situation, you get blessed in your deed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word. I pray for every single person on the sound of my voice. If I sense that people carrying things in the womb of their spirit, concerning their destinies, concerning their future, and they're in a position now that the press is on, pressed on every side, grant unto people grace and this wisdom to act right towards every single person they interact with. Free people of that spirit of competition, envy, and seeking preeminence over others. Let there be that law of release within their hearts such that the things that you have prepared for us all that eyes have not seen will easily step into it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.